his karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams, thanks for everything, mom and dad, will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. 97.1 FM Talk Podcast. This hour of the Mark Reardon Show is sponsored by Gamma Tree Experts. Your trees deserve the best care. Call Gamma Tree Experts. Look, I think the best phrase is simple. It ain't working. The Mark Reardon Show. All of this woke world that we're living in right now is not working. Why are you guys bullying me? Mark Reardon. See, presidents can't do much. I'm done. Do what you want. Pull the plug. This is the Mark Reardon Show. Who just what? gave me the look. No, you know what that was? That I don't your... think you could hear it on the air. Well, what I did is I... Pull I, up the app? I, no, I, I just hit Twitter so I could retweet the live feed because people can watch the show on the Twitter. Oh, yeah. And I guess it was the start of the... You could hear the uh, the beginning of the yeah, open. That's what on, I heard. On, because I think there's like a 30-second delay or something. Maybe not even that three, much. Three or four? Yeah, 33 or four. It's about <laughs> the same, isn't it? I know when I look back because it's right there. Oh, yeah, it's not that much because I'm lifting my hand. It might only be like one or two seconds, okay. actually, now that I think about it. Hey, how are you this afternoon? I am well. Thank you. Uh, it's a nice day. It's cold, but it's nice and sunny, sunny. and that does make a difference. Love it. As we are into the month of December, ladies and gentlemen, December 1st. That is somewhat staggering to me because the year is almost gone, and I mean Christmas is going to be here in a blink. Have right? you started shopping? Uh, well, Christmas is not really, but, uh, you know, it's not like we do a bunch of different presents, even for the little one anymore. Santa brings his share, right, of course. Of but course. I, I'm more along the lines of, um, like, bigger present family-type gifts. So there's not a lot of shopping that, that maybe nice. needs to be done. And my mom and dad, who are probably listening right now, they're impossible to shop for, you know, because they have everything. So we might do – sometimes we'll do some Cardinals gear or some Mizzou gear. But then we've kind of, you know, done a lot of that. Now, I have this – I have to look this up. Remember I told you about the uh, the woman – who, um, what was I stuck on? I was stuck on a gift for somebody, right? And maybe it was for my dad for his birthday present. He turned 80 and they had a, a birthday party. And I'm like, yeah. oh, look, what do you get? And she started, and at first I thought it was a man because the name was Chris or something like that. I have to look this up. She's probably listening right now. And I, 
I like wanted to hire her as a gift consultant because she was so creative with some of the things that she was talking about. And I didn't feel like I had that level of creativity with my gift buying. Well, so, you know, I think what you need to do, though, sometimes is I'll give you an example. I think I might have showed you this. So a couple of years ago, we took a picture. My, my daughter and I went. It was actually a little photo session for her with a mother of a former babysitter that we had who does part-time photography. Did you Well, that's a cute idea. Right. So she just shoots. We did this recently with her, too. And she'll do a half an hour, 45 minutes, and it's pretty cheap. And then we get the pictures, right? That's really so nice. So we were out in a, um, in a sunflower field that was south of where I am, down closer to Eureka. And I was just goofing off, and I put, like, a little sunflower in my ear, and I was holding my daughter, and she snapped a couple of pictures off for that. Well, my wife took this picture. I don't know if I've—maybe I haven't showed you this. So my wife took the picture, and with, through a friend of mine had found a friend who was an artist. And she had this artist rendering done. Um, this guy, I forget his name, but he goes as at Grunt1BComics on uh, the Instagram. And here's what she did. So she had... Oh, now that is really cute. Right. So she had the picture in replicated that into a... That is really cute. It's not really a painting, but it, what is it, a drawing, Yeah, no, somewhere in between. That's really I'll, cool. I'll even hold it up to the camera for the people who want to see it. I will tell you that uh, one year I got for my brother and sister-in-law, who are also impossible to buy for, a toaster that toasts their faces so they, you put it in there, and it pops up, and you, yeah. had, you had to send to the company like a close-up photo of Jeff and one of Dolly, and then uh, so each side makes their face in toast. See, and this is I like the creative. <laughs> so that I thought that was one of the best Christmas presents, by the way, I'd ever gotten. And yeah, it was, it's uh, really nice. It might have been, by the way, it might have been a birthday toaster. present. I, I'd have to think, but I think it was a Christmas present. But we have that hanging up in the house. But my I went and uh, saw one of my friends who has a daughter that is my daughter's age, my friend Eduardo, last week, and I had not seen his new place um he moved into a new place recently and he had a series so his daughter is seven also he had a series of these big posters that were framed and every one of them had pictures of his daughter and his family and i was curious and i think there's different companies that do things along these lines sure you can take your becky did this one year she took all the pictures from instagram for the year and she put it on a calendar so then i had a little calendar at my desk but eduardo had all these pictures that were put in a very professional poster and framed. Now, he said, because I asked him how much that was, and I have to get the name of the company, so it was like 800 bucks. But Oof. it, yeah, not, not everything is cheap, but it was really cool. So I, I kind of look for maybe opportunities to do something like that, Sue. Yeah, something pictures, more unique. especially for your parents, right? The calendar is a great idea. Do it with something like that. Not that you're going to do that because they're listening, but I'm just saying it's a good idea. Hey, speaking of being creative, let me segue into this. And one reason I'm going to segue into this, and I'm just kind of blabbing here this afternoon, is because I was busy before the show. And you know, Sue, I've gotten into the habit of writing out. I kind of do like a set list, right? You see mm. my notes here. You mm-hmm. can't read my notes because Mm-mm. my handwriting is mm-hmm. not legible. But I, I do... I'd say like it's an opening set list of the topics that I somewhat want to hit during the opening of the show. You want to see what today yeah, is? I see that's blank. It's it's got nothing up yeah. there. So, yeah. uh, but I do have some ideas. But I, I wanted to. I'll start with something a little non-traditional. I'll tell you what's going to happen here in the show in just a few minutes. Where uh, Dean Plocker is going to join us. He is the incoming speaker of the Missouri House. So we're going to talk about some of the things on his mind. He's from DePere. I don't know Dean. I'm looking forward to that. Yeah. Uh, we might have to have him on the roundtable soon as well. There's a great piece that um, Matt Taibbi wrote about the media that I have to get into. 
this afternoon. I thought it was great. We have Illinois Congressman Rodney Davis. Dr. McCary is going to be with us this afternoon, and we'll talk a little bit about the Elon Musk situation with uh, J. Peter Zane at Real Clear Investigations. But I just love this story because I think it's rather clever. We know Pat Maroon, right? He won mm-hmm. the uh, Stanley Cup with the Blues, and then he went on to win it with Tampa Bay. And he's still playing for the Lightning right now. He's a fan favorite here when he came back. Uh, but he's from, you know, the St. Louis area. Where is he from? Chestersfield, I think. Okay. Up here in, I don't, in West I don't. County. So Jack Edwards is an announcer that was doing the game for the Lightning. And I have the play-by-play here of what he said. So apparently Jack Edwards, the... Um, the play-by-play guy, and then Andy Brickley is the other voice you'll hear here on um, the network that was call, you know, calling the game. Pat Maroon apparently gained a little weight, right? And that, that was some concern that he wasn't moving at the uh, speed that he should be on the ice and that he was maybe just a little porky, right? But here's how they kind of played it off on the air. Listed 238 pounds. <laughs> that was day one of training camp. <laughs> I got a feeling he's... Had a few more pizzas between then and now. Oh, yeah, that's before pregame. <laughs> right. <laughs> fasting. <laughs> Inadvertent fasting for Pat Maroon is like four hours without a meal. <laughs> but hey, three cups in a row. Who can argue with his formula? Yeah, so I, th- I think I even shortchanged him a Stanley Jeez. Cup there. He's got three Stanley Cup victories. So. This is where it gets clever. How do you react to that? You're an athlete. You had the play-by-play guy basically calling you fat. You've eaten too many pizzas. So Pat Maroon goes on the Twitter, and he does this. <laughs> In support of those struggling with mental health, bullying, and body image, I am making a $2,000 donation in the name of Real Jack Edwards to the At Tampa Bay Thrives organization, and I encourage Tampa Bay Lightning and NHL fans to join me. Donate here. And he put the link to the uh, <laughs> to the charity. Uh, his teammate came through right away and matched it. So I guess they're raising some money. $2,000 for Pat Maroon seems like a small amount. But look, who am I to say, right? He gives his money probably generously to other people, too. But I did think that was pretty good. Yeah, that and is. I don't know. This, the ESPN story doesn't say if, um, if they, <laughs> they kind of apologized or not. Because I always wonder about that with with athletes because you, you'd have to think when you hear play-by-play, even let's use the Cardinals as an example, that if somebody says something that's somewhat critical or controversial, a friend is going to point it out to the player, right? Hey, Dan McLaughlin, by the way, Dan doesn't do this, but we'll, you know, w- whatever example you can offer, said this about you on the broadcast, do you want to respond? And then the play-by-play guy has got to have some relationship with the players to well, a yeah, certain extent, I would think, too. Right? You, you would think that this may have um, roughed up that relationship well, it, just it, a little bit. You're right, because he didn't just say it once, it was like over and over yeah. again. Again, yeah, and uh, the whole fasting day, it was a little much. Oh, my goodness. All right, one other thing here that I'll do before we break, just because I find it interesting, and I'm glad that, that it's happening because I missed him here um, when he came to St. Louis just a few months ago. It was a huge, huge show. Uh, Morgan Wallen is coming back to St. Louis soon. I don't know if you know Morgan Wallen. But I do he, not. Big country star, one of the biggest names in country music. You might remember, though, there was a bit of a controversy a couple of years ago because he was caught on a, I think it was a ring camera from across the street, dropping the N 
word to a white dude, by the way. He was, you know, he said that and it was a white, somebody he knew he was very intoxicated. So he went into um, isolation for a while and then came back, didn't get canceled completely. He, I think he really apologized quite a bit and made some inroads with um, some folks in the, in the African-American community as well. And he's sort of recovered, which is good because I think he's a super talented guy and songwriter. Well, he's coming to Bush Stadium next year. They just announced today big stadium tour. Oh, wow. All right. Information on this. I know that I had it printed out somewhere. Let me go to the email here. Big, big tour for um, Morgan Wallen. Here's the information from the St. Louis Cardinals. World Tour 2023. One night at a time tour. Four countries, two continents, 17 stadiums, arenas, amphitheaters, festivals. Joined by Ernest and Bailey Zimmerman. Um, Hardy, another country act, Parker McCollum, who I really like a lot. The tickets are on sale next Friday at MorganWallen.com. And the date here in St. Louis, as the Cardinals sent this news release out, is I can find it Friday, July 7th. So Morgan Wallen coming on July 7th, which would be pretty good. I like him a lot. Uh, and I, I miss that. It's um, a good song. I miss that show because it was in such demand in August at the uh, the amphitheater that you couldn't find even lawn tickets were going for well, well above wow. face because there was so much demand. His double album came out a couple years ago, I think right before the pandemic, and it was a huge success. And then he couldn't tour because of the pandemic and because he was a racist, too. So wow. there, there it's was a double that. whammy. Anyway, we'll go out with Morgan Wallen. We're coming back with much more. The new speaker of the Missouri House on 97.1 FM Talk. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams... Thanks for everything, Mom and Dad. ...will always be worth it. Apply today at PenFed.org savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. When it comes to air quality, the bad news is that wildfires and air pollution have really degraded the quality of our air. But the good news is that we are all realizing that the quality of our air, especially our indoor air, is really darn important. In 30 minutes, Puro Air will remove allergens, dust, smoke, and gases from your room. It uses a stronger type of filter called HEPA-14, and it filters pollutants at a microscopic level. Check out everything Puro Air has to offer at GetPuroAir.com. That's G-E-T-P-U-R-O-A-I-R.com. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. St. Louis is home for conservative talk. Mark Reardon on a Thursday edition of the show. We're lining up our next guest, Dean Plocker, who is the incoming Speaker of the House in the State Assembly in Missouri. We'll talk to him here in a couple of minutes. Um, I have a great comment from Matt Taibbi about the media and how messed up the media is. And we'll get to that here in a couple of minutes as well. 
We have Sue's News coming up in the next hour. Illinois Congressman Rondi Davis, Dr. McCary, is going to visit with us here this afternoon. He's got a book out now called The Price We Pay, but I want to talk to him about Dr. Fauci and um, how that all is wrapping up. So we'll get to that in a little bit. And did I mention Sue's News? Maybe I did. You did. It's uh, We got a lot in there today. Good. I'll mention it twice. we got plenty of time for you in the next hour. Plus, ladies and gentlemen, an audio cut of the day before we wrap up the uh, show this afternoon. We have a roundtable scheduled for tomorrow. Uh, Jack Coder, who is leaving the St. Louis Board of Aldermen, yeah. you know, he lost that Board of Aldermanic presidential race, and he's like, I'm done with it. I'm gone, and I don't know that I can blame him. He's got I a can't new, either. A new baby that just arrived. Jane will be here, and um, state senator Nick Shore. We have to get used mm. to saying that. He's not officially state senator yet. We have the next speaker of the Missouri House on the line right now. Dean Plocker is with us, state rep from DePair, incoming speaker. We're going to talk about the next legislative session and a few other things. How are you, Dean? Thanks for coming on this afternoon. Mark, it's great to be on. We're doing great. We're looking forward to January. How in the heck do I not know you? That's one question. That's on me, by the way, and I apologize for that because we'd love to work you in here, especially to the roundtable maybe. But I hear great things from Gene Evans and and other folks. So maybe just as we get started here this afternoon, a little bit about Dean Plocker. And you've been in the uh, legislature, what, six years now? Approximately. Seven? Yeah, this is actually beginning my eighth year. Oh, wow. Um, I got a bonus year. I came in on a special election. I grew up in St. Louis. It's home. I love it. Um, had a law firm in St. Louis for a long time and had the opportunity to come and serve in Jeff City. Um, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, it's an honor. I have two years left, and I'm going to make the most of it. Well, we'll talk about the next session and some of the things in the next two years in a second, but let me ask you about the trip that you recently took with the uh, the governor because you were overseas with Governor Parson, weren't you? Yes, I was. Tell me about that trip. That was focused on trade? It was. Uh, you know, I mean, Missouri has a great economy. It's a very diverse economy. And the, one of the things that you, you really can emphasize is our the abundance of water and agriculture that we have in Missouri. We're just leading the nation in 14 agricultural categories in the top 10. Um, and the countries that we visited, um, you know, were predominantly, uh, we went to, to Israel and uh, the United Arab Emirates. Those countries need food security. They need to be able to import our beef, our grain, and that's what we were over there to do, to really try to drive Missouri's agriculture industry as well as our aerospace industry and other life sciences that, that St. Louis in particular thrives at to, to drive Missouri businesses and to help grow our economy over there. So you, you kind of piqued my interest because you mentioned water. I've, I've always felt I know nothing about what you're referring to with trade, but if we could somehow build a pipeline from the Mississippi out west where they really need water, we'd have no taxes in Missouri maybe, Dean. Hey, <laughs> right? there you go. It would. It might, it might but be. But I mean, I don't even like know. Having our own oil field. Can you do something with water to, to, to use that resource to, to help other parts of the world or not? Well, I mean, I don't know if we really went to that level of that. The water allows us in to Missouri grow to yes. grow things. Um, I mean, we're leaders in, in corn, soybeans, um, even peanuts were in the top 10. And um, so all of these agriculture, exactly, all uh, cotton. All these agricultural products are really desired by the rest of the world, and we produce good agricultural products that just not, you know, it's not just grains, it's beef. And um, and the rest of the world needs our resources. The, the amount of agriculture and food products that the, the world has to increase production of is like 40% by the year 2050 or people start to starve. So you're saying that my idea of drilling a hole through the center of the earth to get the Mississippi River to the uh, UAE is not going to probably work. That's what I'm hearing. It, 
It probably is far-fetched, and okay. I don't know if we'd want to sell our great resources in that quantity. Well, that's actually either. a good point. That that is a good point. All right. Well, let's let's talk about the the shape that the state is in right now because this is rather unique. And you know, I've followed Missouri politics for a long time, and it wasn't too long ago, really, just a few years ago, we were really worried about some of the revenues that were coming into the state. But now we are flush with cash, aren't we? We are. I mean, I think the the leadership the state has had for several years has been great, and we are now in a position of abundance for for money. I mean, it's a good problem for government to have, but I think we need to be cautious of that, too. Uh, We want to invest prudently in infrastructure and help grow our economy. Right now, Missouri's sitting at five to six billion dollars extra. Now, government, you know, you got to be a little bit uh, a little bit of trepidation there on how government can spend the money. And I, I propose that we continue to invest in our you know, one-time infrastructure expenditures to grow our economy, to provide what Missourians need. But I also think this next legislative session, we're going to look thoroughly at trying to return some of the hard-earned taxpayer dollars to the taxpayers so they know how to best spend their money, their resources that they work hard to obtain. So how might that manifest itself? Look, I'd love to, and I know we've got guests on occasionally, and Nick Shore is going to be on the roundtable, some other folks who think that we should completely get away from the income tax in Missouri, which, by the way, I would love to do. I don't know that that's necessarily realistic, at least in the short term. So to kick more money back to the taxpayers, what form would that take? It could take several forms. Um, You know, I mean, I've enjoyed working with Nick for the last several years in the House. This last special session, we reduced our income taxes from 5.3 to 4.95%. I think we can revisit that a little bit. Missouri is very competitive for a corporate tax. We could perhaps look at reducing some of that, provided these companies can invest in in Missourians, hire more workers, and and create more jobs in Missouri. We also also have a, you know, I I know you have people on various times that want to uh, discuss personal property taxes. I think the personal property tax problem that we're facing right now certainly needs to be addressed. Uh, I think uh, so, My too. personal property taxes went up. I find a, I have difficulty with that. Our personal property taxes, I believe, are regressive. They are. I believe personal property taxes should depreciate over time. And because the government stepped in and created a supply chain shortage coupled with this ridiculous Washington, D.C. mismanagement of money where there's inflation coming to bear, why are Missouri taxpayers paying more for our personal property taxes? I think it should be on a depreciation scale where they reduce themselves over time. I think we can look at a, a broad tax dis- discussion. Replacing all the taxes is, is tough, but we don't have to replace everything. Our economy is growing. I think our citizens should keep more of their hard-earned money. I think C. Yes, Thomas might agree yes, with you on yes. the uh, because, and I still have an open mind yet because I just don't like to deal with reality. So I got my bill last <sighs> week, but I'm guessing it's not going to be um, inexpensive. So I love that idea. What What about the other priorities for the session, Dean? Moving forward, and obviously the legislature has come under some criticism from the uh, the media, like the St. Louis Post Dispatch, for being a little dysfunctional with the infighting between the Republicans because the Republicans have the supermajority. So expectations for the session on some other issues, and will some of this settle down? Is that your anticipation just with the infighting within members? Well, I, it will. And I, and I don't always believe everything I read in, in a news media, if you will, from a liberal-minded agenda. I mean, we all have different opinions. We all have a large – we have a majority up there. And I think Missourians should be grateful that the Republicans do have a majority up there so we can prudently manage the resources that we're given and return money to the taxpayers. But, you know, we all have different ideas of how we want to accomplish things. And we're going to have some disagreements. But – well, by and large, we're moving in the state in the right direction. We have some other challenges that we have to face, and I look to the city to face those challenges. I'm from St. Louis. My family lives here. It, it, it's a great community. But if you look at the crime that's been going yeah. on, 
it's destabilizing to the communities as a whole around the St. Louis region, and that must be addressed. Um, I think St. Louisans, Missourians as a whole, families, people should feel safe walking to a ball game or walking down Washington Avenue, knowing that there's accountability if there's crime that's being committed. And that's something that we will broadly look at as a whole in our state legislature. So where, where do you think that might head? <clears throat> we, we went through this debate years ago about local control. That, I think a lot of people thought it was a good idea. I think I thought it was a good idea. It hasn't worked out that way, though, right? So can you go in the other direction there? Well, I think we can look at a lot of different things. We have a task group uh, right now looking at a lot of different things headed by Representative Lane Roberts, former chief of police from Joplin, who's doing remarkable work. We are looking at the return of local control from the city of St. Louis to the state of Missouri. Uh, We're looking at how we can better prosecute crime if it's not being prosecuted by the duly elected official in St. Louis City when my constituents in St. Louis County are being impacted by that. Um, we're going to look at a, a broad array of things. We're not sold on one particular issue uh, of fixing because I think the, there's a bigger problem here that we have to look at. We're going to look at it all. There's not a silver bullet, but we, we will not waste two years. We are going to look at the crime in St. Louis and try to provide a better neighborhood for all of Missourians in that area. Sometimes I lose track of the, the protocol. Will you be speaker then through two sessions, 2023 and 2024, just this year? Um, I will be uh, speaker beginning in January, and that will be a one legislative term, which will be the 102nd General Assembly, which is two years. Got it. All right. Just making sure we're uh, buttoned up on that. What's your relationship like with Caleb Brown in the Senate? Good. Great guy. Um, enjoyed working with him. Uh, we're, you know, um, Cindy's going to step in as, as floor leader. Um, she's been good to work with. Uh, you know, we, we share a lot of, of agendas and priorities that we would like to see accomplished. The Senate operates with different rules, and I know that, that you know, our legislative body often gets under fire for, for things that go on and, and it becomes seemingly personal. But the Senate's a different world. Um, they have different rules. I don't have to live by those rules. I have to live by the rules of the House. We have 163 House members, so it's, you know, um, often the analogy is hurting 163 cats. I leave the 34 senators on their own, um, you know islands, if you will, and let <laughs> yes. them function. And and I've enjoyed working with them. Well, I look forward to seeing what comes up here in the uh, session. We'd love to have you on the Reardon Roundtable at some point. Uh, the only downside of that is a good, healthy portion of, you know, elected officials who end up on the roundtable go to federal prison. So you'll have to, you know, ro- you'll <laughs> have to roll the dice on that, Dean. <laughs> Unfortunately. Yeah. Mark, thank you for having yeah, me thank on. You. Great, great and, conversation. Uh, look forward to great things for the state. All thank right, we you. appreciate it. Dean Plocker, who is the incoming um, you I know, like speaker. Him. Yeah, by the way, so here's, because I get these gut checks, it's not too difficult. I think other people, he sounds pretty... Um, you know, good, communicative, mm-hmm. can put words together, mm-hmm. sounds like a sharp guy, seems like someone who has, you know, future potential as well with uh, with leadership. But, <clears throat> again, my instincts on that end up sending people to prison. No, eventually. those people send themselves to prison. Well, you true. are not to blame. By the way, we didn't talk about this yesterday, but they had some of the pictures in the um Did you in see the, the video? Paper. I didn't see the video. They yeah. have video, too? They have video. So th- this has to do with the bribery scandal where now, my understanding is next week, is going to be sentencing for Lewis Reed, yeah. for Jeffrey Boyd, for um, Alderman uh, John Collins Muhammad as well. They all had to resign in the wake of taking bribes, yeah. and they're going to federal prison. So I saw the pictures that were in the paper. There's there's uh, video, too? I, yeah. I was guessing and there might be. And it's not probably that much more than what you saw, but it, it's video of them actually taking the money. Taking the money, right. So remember... When and I've reached out to Lewis because 
he's a friend, and yeah. you know, I don't just drop friends, and we have not spoken. I exchanged a couple of messages with him, and he did say that it's you know obviously one of the toughest things that he oh. did in his life. But I think that he's going through in his life. But obviously, he's got to accept the responsibility. Yeah. But you remember when this all happened? The word got out very quickly that John Collins Muhammad was cooperating mm-hmm. and was likely going to do a plea deal, and then it became apparent that Jeffrey was going to do the same thing, and, mm-hmm. and then Lewis was going to fight. He, yeah. he hired Rosen. Bloom, right? Mm-hmm. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Something tells me that when the feds get involved, they always have more to show you. And yeah, well, you're going to fight until they show you the video correct. of the cash in your hands that you're taking from the dude bribing you. And then what do you have to say? Because the jury's going to see that if you go to trial. And you're all three in the same room. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah, it's uh, not good. No. 337 FM Talk. Oh, I love this band. Foles. And they're coming to St. Louis. They'll be at the pageant on Sunday night. A little uh, three-piece from across the pond in the U.K. So last night I got home. I'm going through some email. And every once in a while I get these um, emails from the people that I subscribe to on Substack. Like um, Barry Weiss and others. And I subscribe to Matt Taibbi's page. And Matt Taibbi, I've described him before. I've read or at least been aware of Matt for years because I was a subscriber. I guess I still am to Rolling Stone. I don't get the... Do they even do a hard copy? I have no idea. I just have the the online subscription. But I always liked Rolling Stone magazine for the music coverage, not for the politics, but they, of course, got into a lot of politics. Having said that, maybe I I don't want to be hypocritical because in the 80s, it was P.J. O'Rourke. They used to have, you know, common sense conservatives that would write (laughs) for Rolling Stone, but that changed. So Matt Taibbi started doing stuff, and I I remember seeing all his stuff on climate change. Climate change, climate alarmism, the uh, the planet's going to die, blah, 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 turned me off completely. But something happened to Matt Taibbi along the lines of what happened to Bill Maher and others over the course of the last couple years. They realized that the party that they would affiliate themselves with is completely wacko and nuts, and they don't want any part of the woke nonsense and some of the silliness that goes on with, that goes on with the media in particular. So he was doing something. I'm not familiar with this, but he, his headline of the email on Substack was, Be it resolved, don't trust mainstream media. My opening remarks for the Monk debates in Toronto tonight. I'm not familiar with the Monk debates, but he goes on to describe them a little bit. He says, Tonight at Roy Thompson Hall in Toronto, and that was last night, I'm teaming up with the War on the West author Douglas Murray in the prestigious Monk debates. Our opponents are Malcolm Gladwell, best-selling author and New Yorker staff writer, and Michelle Goldberg, MSNBC contributor and columnist for the New York Times. If you don't know who Michelle is, she's uber, uber lefty. The subject tonight, be it resolved, do not trust the mainstream media. I feel like I have to do this. Be it resolved, do not trust the mainstream media. So, Matt wrote, you can probably guess which side I'll be arguing below a transcript of my opening remarks. And I I think I need to read these because they're so important. And I'm going to tell you right now that I probably care a little bit more about this to a certain extent than you do because I have, I always say I have training in journalism. I went to Mizzou for journalism school. I was a news anchor and a reporter. My background is in reporting and in journalism and in music radio from the 80s. And I took a shift in 1992 and started doing talk radio. And that was very inspired by Rush Limbaugh, who was, you know, obviously becoming very popular. Well, he was very popular at the time. And I decided it was more interesting to offer my opinions than it was just to read newscasts. But look, I have, I was a news director. I had a certain amount of respect for journalism and good reporting. For a while, I was able to wear two hats. There, there were periods in my career where I would go on WTMJ in Milwaukee. I was an anchor in the morning on a newscast with my uh, colleague, Sherry Preston, who's now an ABC news anchor on the radio every morning. If you listen to ABC affiliates, I would deliver the news. I would uh, also 
host some shows and, and do a talk show. But I, I split my, um, I was able to separate. So when I was doing talk, I was offering opinions. When I was doing the news, I was not offering opinions. I was kind of keeping it straight there. I, I only offer that as an example of why I, I think that this stuff is important. But I think it's important for everyone and for society because we do not have any trust in the media. And it's the media's fault that we do not have any trust in them. And I've said this before and I've kind of framed it around what President Trump said years ago about the um, media is the enemy of the people. I thought when I first heard that, I thought it was the most ridiculous thing that I'd ever heard. I no longer feel that way. And I suppose I feel that he was more right than he was wrong. And I think Matt Taibbi feels that way as well. So he said, be it resolved, don't trust mainstream media. My name is Matt Taibbi. I've been a reporter for 30 years, and I argue for the resolution. You should not trust the mainstream media. And he gives a little background here. He says, I grew up in the press. My father was a reporter. My stepmother was a reporter. My godparents were reporters. Every adult I knew growing up seemed to be in the media. I even used my father's TV mic flag as a toy. I'd go into the backyard, stand with my back to the house, and play live shot. Chet, I'm in Norwell, Massachusetts, where firefighters are battling a three-alarm blaze. Obviously giving an example there. I love the news business. It's in my bones, but I mourn for it. It's destroyed itself, and it has. And he goes into the background here. My father had a saying, the story's the boss. In the American context, if the facts tell you the Republicans were the primary villains in this or that disaster, you write that story. If the facts point more at Democrats, you go that way. If it turns out that they're both culpable, as was often the case for me across nearly 10 years of investigating Wall Street and the causes of the 2008 crash for Rolling Stone, you write that. We're not supposed to nudge facts one way or another. Our job is to call things as we see them and leave the rest up to you. I want to stop here because I'd have to go back and cross-check some of the things that he wrote about climate change. And admittedly, I didn't read all those because I thought a lot of it was nonsense. But maybe some of that doesn't match up with what he said right now, but we'll kind of accept his, um, his word for now. But he says, look, we don't do that now. The story is no longer the boss. Instead, we sell narrative as part of a new business model that's increasingly indifferent to fact. When there were only a few channels, the commercial strategy of news companies was to aim for the whole audience. A TV news broadcast aired at dinner time. It was designed to be consumed by the whole family, from your crazy right-wing uncle to the sulking lefty teenager. This system had its flaws. However, making an effort to talk to everybody had benefits, too. For one, it inspired more trust. Gallup polls twice showed Walter Con I wanted to say concrete just because of the uh, parodies. Walter Cronkite of CBS to be the most trusted person in America. That would never happen today. After the internet arrived and flooded the market with new voices, some outlets found that instead of going after the whole audience, it made more financial sense to pick one demographic and dominate it. How? That's easy. You feed the audience news you know they will like. When Fox had success targeting suburban and rural, mostly white, mostly older conservatives, and the late Fox News chief Roger Ailes infamously described his audience as 55 to dead. Other companies sued, followed suit. Now, everyone does it, whether it's Fox or MSNBC or CNN or The Washington Post, or St. Louis Post-Dispatch, I threw them. Nearly all Western media outlets are in the demographic hunting business. This may be less true in Canada, where there's a stronger public media tradition, but in the U.S. it's standard. He said that because he was in Canada, in Toronto, for this event last night. Call it the audience optimization model. Instead of starting with a story and following the facts, you start with what pleases your audience. Oh, boy, I can offer so many examples here. Um, the Duke-BYU volleyball story from a few months ago when there was an allegation that someone was repeatedly 
shouting out the N-word at an African-American Duke player when she was serving. The problem with that story and the problem with that story to this day is it never happened. There's no, and if it did happen, there's absolutely no proof that it happened. In fact, there's an ample amount of proof that it did not happen. But ESPN and the media ran with that story like it was fact. We saw this in Jussie Smollett. We have another example of that this week that I might get to as well. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. Covington Catholic, right? Brett Kavanaugh, all of these. In this system, Taibbi says, the overwhelming majority of the national media organizations cater to one side or the other. So he offers a few, um, a few facts here. Pew Center surveyed people a few years ago. 93% of Fox audience votes Republican. While in an exacting mirroring phenomenon, MSNBC's audience is 95% Democratic. Our colleagues on the other side tonight represent two once great media organizations. Michelle, the Pew survey says that the audience for your New York Times is now 91%, 91% comprised of Democrats. I'm in the other 9% because I'm forced to subscribe because I kept trying to, you know, get stories and I'm at the paywall. So it's a forced subscription. Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, the last numbers I could find for The New Yorker were back in 2012, and even then, only 9% of the magazine's readers were Republicans. I imagine that number is even smaller now. I subscribed to The Atlantic because I was getting blocked on the paywall by The Atlantic. I thought that Derek Thompson had some pretty good coverage early on of the pandemic. I wanted to read his stuff. But they are a lefty publication, true and true. should probably cancel that one. This bifurcated system, Taibbi says, is fundamentally untrustworthy. When you decide in advance to forego half your potential audience to fulfill the aim of catering to the other half, you're choosing in advance which facts to emphasize and which to downplay. You're also choosing which stories to cover and which ones to avoid based on considerations other than the truth or newsworthiness. Now, by the way, this is something that opinion hosts do and they have a right to do, but there's a difference between opinion and news, or there used to be. And... That's where Matt Taibbi says this is not journalism. It's political entertainment and therefore unreliable. With editors now more concerned with retaining audience than getting things right, the defining characteristic across this business from right to left is inaccuracy. And that's what kind of sticks in the craw of Matt Taibbi. Because, and me too, because you get so much that's wrong. You, I, I can't trust what I read, especially on first glance. I don't trust anything. I always ask questions about it. I didn't trust some of you might remember, even though it seemed pretty apparent. We were talking about Will Smith this week. I didn't trust that Will Smith didn't slap Chris Rock because it was, you know, staged. Now, I I came to believe very quickly that that wasn't the case, but I didn't trust it at the time at all. And Taibbi says it's now less important for reporters to be accurate than directionally correct, which in center-left mainstream media mostly comes down to having the right views like opposing Donald Trump or anti-vaxxers or election deniers or protesting Canadian truckers or any other people deemed wrong thinkers. In the zeal to hold, quote, Trump accountable or oppose figures like Vladimir Putin, ethical guardrails have been tossed out. Silent edits have become common. Serious accusations are made without calling people for comment. Reporters get too cozy with politicians. And as a result, report information either without attribution or sourced to unnamed officials or people familiar with the matter. Like scientists, journalists should be able to reproduce others' work in the lab. With too many anonymous sources, this becomes impossible. This is a great example because, and some of you might remember this, he said we had an incident a few weeks ago where the lead of a wire service story A wire service is what distributes news to the other news organizations, the Associated Press, the UPI. He says a senior U.S. intelligence official says Russian missiles crossed into NATO member Poland. 
Matt Taibbi accurately says that's the kind of story where if you get it wrong, you can start a war. You can start a war, but they still put all their chips on one unnamed source. And that's a very risky practice, even if you are right. And it wasn't right. That story turned out to be wrong, right? And that's not uncommon. So Taibbi says in the Trump years, there were an extraordinary number of bombshells that went sideways. The P-tape, the alpha server, speculation that Trump was a Russian spy recruited before disco, false reports of Russians hacking a Vermont utility to an evidence-free story about Trump's campaign manager somehow sneaking undetected to meet the most watched human on earth, Julian Assange, in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. We've accumulated piles and piles of wrong stories. Now, Taibbi admits, look, he says, I'm no fan of Donald Trump. I wrote a book called Insane Clown President, but I've compiled a list of over 100 of these bombshells that went belly up, from Bounty Gate to MSNBC saying Russian oligarchs co-signed a loan for Trump to countless others, because these stories offend me. A good journalist should always be ashamed of error. It bothers me to see so many of my colleagues so unashamed. And that's stunning to me. And he's right about this. This, by the way, is not a wholly new phenomenon. He says, after the WMD fiasco in American news media, weapons of mass destruction, what happened with, you know, Iraq, early 2000s, George Bush, Dick Cheney, he says American news media didn't do a self-audit. Instead, we promoted the people who got it wrong and fired the ones who didn't. The excuse, at least we're not Breitbart, doesn't even hold. Think about another of these bombshells, the one in which Trump's lawyer, Michael Cohen, supposedly went to Prague to meet with Russian hackers. This story came from the now-disgraced dossier of Christopher Steele. It's been refuted multiple times, including by special counsel Robert Mueller, who flatly declared Cohen never traveled to Prague. Yet the tale will not die. From MSNBC to CNN to McClatchy, we've had leading media outlets continue to take seriously the idea that Trump's lawyer traveled to Prague to scheme with the Kremlin over how to fix the election. Now, Matt Taibbi does not include the... um, the Mike Brown story. But I'd throw that in there as well. And that came up, of course, with Elon Musk in the last week. Because there are still people, because the media doesn't correct the facts on this, that hands up, don't shoot, was a bunch of malarkey. The bottom line here, and he goes on just a little bit in this piece, he said, getting things right is hard enough. The minute we try to do anything else in this job, the wheels come off. Until we get back to the basics, we don't deserve to be trusted, and we won't be. And let me tell you something really sad. They'll never be trusted ever again because they will not go back to the basics. Get more at 971talk.com. His karate lessons might not turn him into a black belt. Hi-ya! And even after band camp, he might not be the greatest musician. But with the 3% annual percentage yield you can earn on a PenFed premium online savings account, your goal of supporting his dreams. Thanks for everything, mom and dad. Will always be worth it. Apply today at penfed.org slash savings. Federally insured by NCUA. $5 minimum to open account. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. PenFed's got great rates for everyone. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice, and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. 
spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts.